1: Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Thursday, January 18th, 2024. Our dear friend, Scott Horton, is with us uh, today. Scott, I know you're busy. I know you're working on your magnum opus. Thank you very much for taking the time uh, to join us. Thank I you. I want good. to uh, talk to you Uh, ultimately, about the Iran nuclear program, what the government wants us to believe, what the American government wants us to believe, what the Israeli government wants us to believe, and what you understand the truth to be. But a little bit of background before we get there. Uh, Who was General Soleimani, and why uh, did Trump order his murder?
0: Well, he was the leader of the Iranian Quds Force, Uh, which is, I guess, even the more elite subsection of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard, who are the Praetorians, the the elite that protect the state there. And he was essentially the head of their Special Operations Command in, in foreign missions around the region. Now, as we talked about before on the show, importantly, Iran has essentially enlisted the United States of America to do all of their dirty work for them over the last 20 years here. So when we're talking about special operations, I mean, there's some of that in Iraq War III, the ISIS war, but mostly we're talking about handshakes and deals. Like, for example, as I'll never stop harping on it, it's so important that in Iraq War II, George W. Bush fought that whole war for Iran's best friends. And Soleimani was one of the guys wheeling and dealing within the Shiite parties during that war to make sure that Iran's friends came out on top. And it just so happened that those were the same people that the Bush people preferred, the Supreme Islamic Council led by the Al-Hakim family. And these were guys who had lived in Iran for 20 years by that time. When when, um, Jimmy Carter supported Saddam Hussein's invasion of Iran in 1980, these were the Iraqi Shia who had taken Iran's side and fled to Iran. Now, W. Bush came and put them, you know, 20 years later, 2003 through 8 or 11, however you count it, in Iraq War II, he put them in power. So the current leader of Iraq right now is a guy named Shia al Sudani, who's from the Supreme Islamic Council. Who, you know, again, this was the faction that America and Iran agreed ought to take power. Back to General
1: Soleimani. Back to General Soleimani. Why did Trump have him murdered? Well, as far as you know, who knows why yeah. Trump did anything, but as far as later,
0: you know. Later, Netanyahu took credit for convincing uh, Trump to do it. And uh, I'm sorry, I wish I had known I'd been prepared, better prepared on this anecdote, Judge, but I believe that uh, it's at least... I think it kind of rings a bell that Trump actually confirmed that. Or maybe the story even came from Trump himself that, yeah, Netanyahu called and told me I should, and I thought I'd take him up on it, this kind of thing. I'm sorry, I don't have my anecdotes straight. Quite
1: right, quite right, right, right. Why would Netanyahu want Soleimani killed? He was on his way to lunch in Iraq.
0: Well, in fact, the reporting was he was in Iraq to help broker a peace deal between. Iran and Saudi Arabia, or at least kind of a new modus vivendi on the way towards uh, normalization of relations between those two countries, which is something that, as you know, China accomplished uh, in just the last year. Um, but it seems like that was what they were trying to prevent. I mean, what else do you call it? That was why he was in Baghdad, was they were going to meet with some Saudis there, or at least that was the claim after the fact. I, I don't believe disputed. Um, how,
1: how insane was it? for hundreds of mourners at his grave site to have been killed a few weeks ago. What is your understanding of what happened there?
0: Well, I really don't know who did it. They say that ISIS claim credit for it, which is believable. And people again, you know, I don't know for the hundredth time. And for the first time, maybe need to understand that the bin Ladenites, ISIS, which is just Al Qaeda in Iraq, basically. Um, and the al Nusra front in Syria and these other groups, um, They are the the radical fringe of the Sunni side of the war. These are people who attacked us because we supported their governments. It's America's axis of power in the Middle East is the Sunni kingdoms of the Gulf and then also including uh, Jordan and sort of Turkey, not that they're Arabs, but they're Sunnis and allies with America and NATO and so forth. Um, And then it's the uh, Iranian slash Shiite axis are the ones that the Americans have uh, posed themselves against. And so, yes, there have been ISIS and al-Qaeda attacks against Iran. And when that does happen, it kind of brings back to, you know, issue again, whose side of this war are we on? W. Bush, as I said, fought this war for Iran, our strategic rivals in the region. It also benefited al-Qaeda. But then Obama outright took al-Qaeda's side in Libya, but especially, most importantly, in Syria, which helped lead to the caliphate. And then in the former war in Yemen, not the current one, but also, I guess, the current one, Bombing the Houthis, again, puts us on the side of Al-Qaeda, in this case, Al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula, the guys that did Charlie Hebdo and tried to blow up a plane over Detroit on Christmas Day 2009 with the underpants attack. So not that I'm saying America should ally with the Shiites and Iran against these Al-Qaeda guys, but it does bring the point up again of... Who's on whose side here? And of course, Israel is the wild card in all this. It's because of Israel that America's government prioritizes fighting against the Shiites rather than against the Bin Ladenites that knocked our towers down and killed so many of our guys in Iraq. Well, who, who, are, who, or what, to who are what? The region.
1: Who or what is uh, ISIS today? And who or what is Al Qaeda today?
0: Well, the the second question is more interesting and much harder to answer. I really don't know. And I tell you, I, and I'm not a big truther. I don't believe this whole thing where ISIS is nothing but a front for the CIA and that kind of thing, or Al-Qaeda, ISIS, any of those um, people really oversimplify that a lot, I think. And I think our lucky stars, judge, I think people should, that there is apparently no Al-Qaeda leader now that is anything like as charismatic <clears throat> or, you know, um, authority, uh, wielding as bin Laden since his death, including even Zawahiri, whether he's alive or not, the Americans claim to have killed him a couple of years ago, but bin Laden had a lot of cachet, I guess you would say as a leader of, of radical Sunni factions from across the Middle East and in, and had a policy of rallying them against the United States of America. And I think that that seemingly that time has passed, but it very well could be motivated. Uh, it could be motivating people of the current conflict to um, attack us again. I mean, it was, as, as I try to emphasize, and I think I've said on the show before, that Mohammed Atta and Ramzi bin al-Shib, the lead hijacker and his best friend from September 11th, they were motivated by Israel's war in Lebanon. And so here's Egyptian engineering students answering a call of a Saudi radical to kill Americans in order to avenge Lebanese for what Israel did. What
1: Israel did. Got it. Got it. Okay. How we're getting to Iran. How insane is it for Senator Lindsey Graham? I I suppose we could stop right there. I don't even have to say that, but how insane is it? for Senator Lindsey Graham to advise President Biden publicly to attack Iran.
0: Well, hopefully the Ayatollah dismisses that and knows that Lindsey Graham is a clown and is not in charge. Uh, But he should shut the hell up. And again, this is a guy who's the worst Iran hawk, um, but who's been doing their bidding this whole time, supported American intervention in Iraq and in Syria, both of which benefited Iran immensely, and including Iraq War III against the caliphate that he had helped encourage Obama to build in the first place. And if we really had a war against Iran, it would be absolutely devastating for America's interests. I mean, if they were really committed, Judge, I guess American air power eventually could just level Tehran, short of nukes. They could still, I don't know, I don't know if they could really get a regime change. But they sure could bomb the hell out of that country, I guess, but right. only at absolutely enormous cost to American forces in Kuwait, Bahrain, Qatar, Saudi Arabia and economic targets all up and down the west side of the Persian Gulf. And, you know, luckily we don't have troops in Afghanistan anymore, but we still got tens of thousands in Kuwait. We got a, the 5th Fleet station at Bahrain and the Air Force And Central Command stationed at Qatar there. All of that in jeopardy in the event of a real war with Iran from their mid-range missiles. And You um, said
1: a few minutes ago that you didn't accept any conspiracy theories about uh, ISIS or al-Qaeda being involved with the CIA. Why have ISIS and al-Qaeda never attacked Israel?
0: Well, that's a good question. And Israel was good friends with them uh during the Syria war for sure, just as Obama was. And look, I mean, I don't want to dismiss that stuff out of hand, I just don't want to oversimplify either. All right. What I'm, is America, the basis?
1: What is the basis for the US hatred? I don't expect you to get into Senator Graham's mind, but he does represent a mindset of all these neocons. What is the basis for the American hatred of Iran? Is it just to please netanyahu
0: yeah mostly look i mean the americans hold a grudge of course for the hostage crisis of 1979 when they were 100 years hated. ago right. empire didn't like being humiliated they blame iran for winning iraq war ii when of course that was all america's fault their fault the american war party but they can't accept responsibility for that so they have to blame the ayatollah for them carrying his water in that war then you know, the the war in Syria was meant to weaken Iran and Hezbollah's position. Instead, it just strengthened Syria's dependence on Iran and Hezbollah and their, you know, Shiite crescent alliance there and backfired. So it's, You know, everything they do to spite Iran ends up benefiting Iran, and then they just resent them and hate them more. You'll hear them absolutely falsely claim, Judge, that Iran killed 600 of the American soldiers that died in Iraq War II, but what they mean is 500, and what they really mean is Iraqi Shiites killed 500 Americans in Iraq War II, and the Americans lied, Judge, and I debunked this completely and enough already. Uh, just by citing dozens of sources um, that they just lied that all those bombs, every time a Shiite killed an American with a bomb, that they got the bomb from Iran. And that was never true at all. And so they carry a grudge over this ridiculous myth of the EFPs from 2007 that was spun up by Dick Cheney and the great American fraud, David Petraeus and their co-conspirator, Michael Gordon at the New York Times. Here's
1: um, to raise your blood pressure. Uh, Senator Graham saying that uh, we should bomb the Iran oil fields. Secretary Austin and the Biden administration IS failing our troops in the field. I admire him. Uh, he's a patriot, but he's not doing a good job protecting the soldiers. I asked him a couple of months ago, Joey, what you were talking about. Is there a red line? Would you tell our enemies publicly that if you kill an American, we're coming after you? Without Iran, there are no hooties. The Houthis are completely backed by Iran. I've been saying for six months now, hit Iran. They have oil fields out in the open. They have the um, Revolutionary Guard headquarters. You can see from space. Blow it off the map. And what would happen if we did that?
0: Well, as I say, in the event of a real war with Iran, it would be a disaster for American forces in the region. You know, and and we'll get to the lie about the Houthis there in a sec if you want. But in 2007, Judge. Dick Cheney was especially bent on taking the war to Iran, blaming them for everything wrong in Iraq War II and taking the war to them. And they even put aside the fake nuclear weapons program issue for a minute. And they focused, as I said, on this EFP hoax um, led by uh, Michael Gordon and David Petraeus. And they almost succeeded in pushing Bush into strikes inside Iran, which could have led to a real war. But what happened was the Joint Chiefs of Staff took Bush in January of 07, They took him to the tank at the basement of the Pentagon or whatever they say, the secure room. And they said, Mr. President, we do not want to do Iran. And this is especially the Army and the Marines and the Special Operations Command. They were due to lose a lot of men. And they were already getting chewed up in Iraq and Afghanistan at that time. Maybe the Air Force and the Navy were a bit more gung-ho for air power. But, Judge, you need Special Operations Forces on the ground with laser designators to hit all the anti-aircraft in right. order to send in the aircraft. You okay, let me stop you. How,
1: how untruthful was senator graham's statement because this is being repeated all over the place that without iran there are no houthis
0: well no that that's certainly not true is the houthis are a, an indigenous tribal group basically of zaidi shiites from the north of yemen and they became a political faction in blowback against Saudis trying to, in the 1970s and early 80s, I guess, trying to push Wahhabism and this strict Saudi, Sunni, Puritan Islam. And they reacted by organizing against them there. And then more than anyone, you can blame Barack Obama for their rise. And W. Bush too. You know, John Kiriakou told me the first time America helped with a drone strike against the Houthis was in 05. But what happened was Barack Obama launched and and this is almost a limited hangout now because his real war from 2015 through the end of his presidency and through trump and to just two years ago that was the real scandal we'll talk about that in a moment but people always blame him just for the drone war because that's all the, the tv ever paid attention to the drone war was stage one and in the drone war they're fighting against al-qaeda kooks down in the south of yemen judge but in order to do that, they had to bribe the central government, a dictator named Salah, with weapons and money in order to allow them to fight against al-Qaeda. Now, the war against al-Qaeda in the South was counterproductive. It only made them grow worse and worse. But put that aside for a moment. But Salah, the dictator, took all the weapons and the money, and he went and attacked a group of this group of Zaidi Shiites, the Houthis, in the North. Who were, you know, I guess getting stronger, and he attacked them six different times, and each time he lost, and they grew stronger and stronger, just like Obama's war against Al Qaeda was backfiring, and they were going stronger and stronger. But then the Arab Spring came, the revolutions of 2011 and 12, and the dictator Saleh was wounded in an assassination attempt. And Hillary Clinton, the secretary of state, swooped in, eased him out of power and insisted his vice president take power. When in fact, at that time, Judge, all different factions in the country were peacefully willing to negotiate in a new constitutional convention and try to work things out. And Hillary sabotaged all that with a one man on the ballot, completely phony election and forced the successor dictatorship on the country. Well, then bear with me here. One more moment here. The former dictator, Saleh, he goes away mad and he takes about two thirds of his army with him or more maybe. And then guess what? He was a Zaidi Shiite too, just not a Houthi, but close enough. So he went and joined forces with the Houthis now. And at the end of 14, okay, nine years ago, they marched and took over the capital city and drove the dictatorship out. And they did so. And I could show you this. The footnote okay, bring, is easy. Bring us back Rock to Obama's the hooties. interview with Thomas Friedman. Yeah, let me Friedman stop you. Let me stop you. Judge, hang on one sec. No, no, no. Rock Obama. No, no, and no, no. you stop. Hang on.
1: Hang on. Wait. Hang on. Bring okay. us back to the hooties and who's funding them. That's what I'm
0: trying to tell you, is Obama explained to Thomas Friedman. You can watch him because it's it's in print, but they also have the video at the New York Times. And Obama tells Thomas Friedman, and it's true that Iran warned the Houthis not to take the capital city because it's going to drive the Saudis crazy and they're going to start a war. So this was friendly advice, not a command from the, the their controllers in Tehran. And the Houthis felt perfectly fine to ignore them. And they did take the capital city. And then Saudi and Barack Obama started this most horrible war uh, in reaction to that. And now during that whole time, Your Honor, the U.S. Navy had the whole place under blockade. And the the Saudi slash U.S. and UAE Air Force, refueled by American planes and, of course, under air traffic control by Americans the whole time, they had a total air blockade over the country for the entire war from 2015 through two years ago. So during that entire time, how is Iran supposed to back the Houthis other than PayPaling them some money, other than PayPaling them some blueprints of how to use a 3D printer to make a drone? They couldn't get any missiles. You know, um, Nikki Haley, when she was Trump's UN ambassador, displayed a giant missile and said, "See, this is an Iranian missile." Well, that was a lie. It was a North Korean missile. Okay, time out. Time they out. They had it from before. Time out.
1: Time out. Time out. Does Iran today fund the Houthis? Is Lindsey Graham oh, telling probably. the truth or not?
0: D- Does Iran give them some money? Yes, sure. But that doesn't make them Hezbollah. It doesn't make them Iran's okay, so 50% sta- or their his statement, his
1: statement, His statement that without Iran, there are no Houthis is ignorant and untrue.
0: Exactly. You blame Barack Obama more than any other man other than the Houthis. I'm not interested in Barack Obama,
1: Scott. I'm not interested in history. I'm interested in what's going on now. What is the state of the Iran nuclear program? And what does the government, the U.S. government, want us to believe is the state of the Iran nuclear program?
0: Well, I think the Democrats now would probably like us to believe that they're on top of things. Um, But the reality of it is, Judge, that to be as as you know um, as hawkish about it as I can, right? To give the hawks their due, steelman argument. It's a latent nuclear deterrent. It's the same thing that Japan has and that Brazil has. They've proven that they've mastered the uranium fuel cycle. They can enrich uranium. They have only gone up to sixty percent weapons grade is above ninety percent. Um, they have, but they have demonstrated that they have the ability to make fissile, nuclear weapons, fuel for atom bombs. But the basic idea is, look, I got a revolver in one pocket and bullets in the other. Don't make me load my gun. Don't try me kind of thing. And the Ayatollah has issued his fatwa. The first Ayatollah did in the 80s. The second uh, Ayatollah, who's the same guy in charge since 89 till today, has issued a fatwa saying that it is forbidden for them to do this. Now, I'm not saying anyone should believe any politician and especially a theocrat. I am only saying it is demonstrated fact. And Gareth Porter is the greatest expert on this, wrote the book about it, Manufactured Crisis. But it's just a demonstrated fact that you have not ever moved to develop nuclear weapons. And there are plenty of Israeli lies, especially about that. All of them have been debunked and I could do chapter and verse for you. But the real point is that they have They are a member of the nonproliferation treaty since 68 lyndon johnson's treaty and that means that they have a safeguards agreement with the iaea and including additional protocols that they have agreed to which allow for expanded iaea inspections to verify that they are not diverting nuclear material to military purposes now the barack obama nuclear deal of 2015 judge frankly was superfluous but the thing is What I just told you, that they have a safeguards agreement under the NPT and all of that, was almost like it didn't exist. So Obama decided he wanted to put a second layer of double extra expanded inspections to prove that they're not making nukes, not to make an ally out of Iran or give them the whole store, but just to take the issue of the real threat of an Israeli-American war against Iran over this fake nuclear weapons threat, off the table. And that judge succeeded. And you might remember that they had to kind of shut up about pretending to believe Iran is making nuclear weapons for a while there. And instead, they only complained that Iran got all this money, which was their money. Jimmy Carter had stolen in the first place, etc. But the point being that then what happened in 2018, Benjamin Netanyahu convinced Donald Trump to withdraw from the deal. Now, Iran still is under the NPT and the safeguards agreement, and they have still abided by most of the extra 2015 deal, but not all of it, but they have not withdrawn completely from the deal. Um, And basically, what's going on there? Why would Netanyahu prefer to have Iran out from under the deal and the expanded inspections regime? And have more of a risk of their nuclear program turning into a nuclear weapons program, and it's because apparently his calculation is he'd prefer a war led by the u s to completely destroy their nuclear program because even a latent deterrent is too much deterrent, and All that right. we ought to blow it up now before it turns into a real what nuclear. Do
1: think, what do you think What you think What do you think would happen if the u s. attacked Iran? wouldn't they attack Israel
0: well, I don't in, know if in retaliation? Is. They might have missiles that can hit Israel, probably not to very much effect, but I don't know. I really don't know how many missiles they have at that range, Judge, or, or that kind of thing. That's a better expert, I'll have to answer that. But I'll tell you this, I think there's a there's virtually zero chance that they could field an army across Iraq and Jordan and to Israel. They have no effective air force or naval power other than defensive. They don't have any offensive capability you know, especially to reach out across nations, although they do have allies in Iraq in an absolute worst case scenario. I don't know, but I I don't think that they could reach Israel in any large numbers uh, other than through missiles. Scott,
1: my friend, thank you very much for this (laughs) extraordinarily detailed uh, history. I don't know anybody knows this stuff the way you do, but I appreciate your recounting it for us.
0: Absolutely. And again, for anyone who wants the real details of this, the book is Manufactured Crisis by Gareth Porter.
1: Thank you, my friend. All the best.
0: Absolutely. Thank you, Judge.
1: Of course. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom. Coming up, uh, Phil Giraldi, Colonel uh, Wilkerson, and Max Blumenthal. We'll see you later for Judging Freedom.